God, we're almost on theme for colours today. Yeah, yeah. You, you two have done pretty well on that one. I've, I've failed. I'm. Oh, I've let the side down. I Join have. Team Green. No one told me about the green. <laughs> on Wednesdays, not, we wear green. I was not informed. I did not get the memo. to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Kyrie. Hello! And Jack. Hello! And how are you both? It has been a minute since we've spoken, because we missed the last one. And I wasn't here for the one before that. That's true. Yes, so, that is true. who are you people again? What is this? <laughs> I'm sure you'll pick it up as we go on. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I'm, I'll, I'll learn on my feet. Has go anyone on. got anything of recent events they wish to cover before we get on to things? Uh, oh, oh! so like I went and saw some films. <gasps> Gosh. No, wait, I saw a film in between the last time we talked and now, and that was uh, Bumblebee. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's still on my list. I still yeah. haven't managed to get around to seeing it. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Cool. There were Transformers in it, and they looked like the Transformers, and I pointed and was like, I know who that one is. <laughs> and then there was Soundwave, and he said a thing in Soundwave-ish, and I was like, yeah! Yes, I I am looking forward to seeing Transformers that actually look like Transformers, rather yeah. than whatever the Michael Bay movies did. Yes, indeed. That's going to be an interesting one. It was not only the fact that I was able to recognise sh- uh, Shockwave, but also the fact that I geeked out when seeing Shockwave, and oh shit, maybe <laughs> I am a Transformers fan. Maybe, maybe Aww. a little bit. Maybe I am a fan-former. I haven't seen a movie, but I've seen a trailer. Oh, how was it? It was good. Spider-Man Far From Home. I did did have a thought when they went, we're going to Europe, and I went, is he going to go to England? Of course he is. How is Spider-Man going to swing off anything in England? Oh, it's London, okay. It's London, yeah. yeah. (laughs) London's fine for swinging. Yeah. And yeah, Mysterio. Oh, Mysterio's looking so good. They made Mysterio look great. I know. What the hell? And they're doing Mysterio's shtick of pretending to be a hero. It's, yeah. it's just spot on. Like, already you can tell what this, this bit of the film is going to be about yes. and everything, which is, it's, it's marvellous. Um, so all the Easter egg people have noted it, noticed in the trailer alone. Yeah. It's immense. I, small, I, small things like the suitcases using his Ben's. Yep. And uh, one that passed me by was during the Hydro Man scene uh in venice the uh the boat they're on uh is the asm currently the number but basically it's the issue that hydro man first appeared in amazing spider-man oh nice wow (laughs) (laughs) i I had that one had passed me by i am yeah i'm pleased to announce i I am just however looking at it and going so are we just are they just sort of out and out saying, because this is going to come out after Avengers, right? Yes. Yeah. So are they just out and out saying, don't worry, everyone will be fine by the end of Avengers 4? Basically, yeah. Like, yeah. Was like, there I, really I, any stakes? Well, no, I mean, we, we know that, but like, they shouldn't just say it. This is going to somehow slot in before Infinity War happened. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, 
yes, we understand that this is the case and this is the deal we're, we're having, and we understand this is how movies work, but you can't just say... It's like in WCW, right? When, <laughs> when they had that wedding... Uh, well, it's, when- it's like in recent WWE, when uh, Rhea Ripley was booked to, to defend her championship at Evolution mm. before the end of the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, I'm just thinking along the lines of like the 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 Daphne David Flair wedding in WCW, when it like basically the, you see a big cake being set up outside the ring, yeah, right, and you're like, oh, I get what's going to happen, and then one of the commentators, I think it's Tony Schiavone, is like, oh, there's a cake, and you know what that means in wrestling, but we've got to get a match out of the way first. Like, you can't just <laughs> say it. That's not how. <sighs> That's some good commentary. Oh, God, Tony Schiavone was the fucking worst. That, that's some smart, friendly commentary right there. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of wrestling, and we're not going to do a whole episode about it, although it was suggested, and I would be quite happy to. We will do it at some point. We, we would upset Jack. Uh, did you see <laughs> NXT UK TakeOver, Kyrie? I, I did not. I haven't had a chance to yet. Oh, it's good. We, we've been working through some, some, uh, some watching uh, things. We've just finished a, a whole anime series. Uh... <laughs> And and now we tried watching Titans. We're uh, watching Titans. Are we've, you? we've watched two episodes of it. Ah, that's that's twice as many as we have. <laughs> <laughs> now, in no way am I pretending it's good. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I'm not. I found I'm it not, surprisingly watchable. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, it's not. It's not as bad as the trailer made it look. No, no, by no means. Like, we said the same thing. Like the trailer yeah. was a really bad advert for this show. Uh, they're Dick Grayson. Feels like Dick Grayson, which to me is a delight because so many things we've talked about Young Justice. Yeah. So many things make Dick Grayson seem like Tim Drake now. Mm. Um. So it was nice to see a Dick Grayson that felt like a Dick Grayson. Uh, just in that, I liked. It. Oh, here comes Zoe with opinions. Which- which is really confusing to me because for years Tim Drake was like the least utilized Robin because whenever they brought Tim Drake in, they would make him act like Jason. That is so true. So it's really weird that now, after after years of Tim Drake acting like Jason, we've now arrived at a point where they make Dick Grayson act like Tim. I mean, it's the logical extension Dick. of the same yeah. thing. Yeah, but did- it's dumb. And if they want. <laughs> A Tim Drake Robin, they should just have Tim Drake. And if they want a Jason Robin, they should just have they have their options. Yeah, but Why Jason's they... dead. No. He... <laughs> <laughs> funnily funnily enough, know, I, yeah, I did. Yeah. I was doing some reading recently, and I found out. Do you know? Do you know what? I uh, love you. Do you know what Jason Todd's um, origin story was when he first turned up? What? It, like, cause I always thought Jason Todd's origin was the um, the whole. He was a, a street orphan. He tried to take the Batmobile's wheels. Yeah. Right. It turns out that was just sort of retconned in later. Jason mm. Todd's original backstory, right, is that he was a circus acrobat whose parents were killed by the mob in a, in a, in a framed That's accident. I love it. And I'm like, wait a minute, because they just they weren't sure whether people were going to hate the idea of there being a new Robin. So they, so just, they just did the old Robin again. They just made him dick. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I really like that. I think that doing Raven about as well as you can... There, there are two ways you can do Raven. One mm. is to just ignore the whole demon heritage thing, like they do yeah. in Teen Titans, and just go with her as a character and, and not lean too heavily on the whole trauma of being part demon. Yeah. And the other is to lean into it. And they're, they're very much doing the leaning into it. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's working about as well as you can for an edgy teenage girl who is half demon. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I did really like their portrayal of Hawk and Dove in the second episode, though. Ooh, okay. Because I, <laughs> I say like. Um, I turned to Zoe and said, is it me or does this Hawk and Dove seem like they'd belong in Watchmen more than the DC Comics and Watchmen <laughs> has come full circle? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm holding, res- holding, holding, what's the word? Judgment, Judgment until I've seen a bit more. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I've seen enough to know I'm going to see more. Hmm. I'm not hating it. Uh, it's that's good. It's different, and there are enough good bits keeping me going. All right, that's good. That's good. But yeah, that trailer was terrible. It was a, it was a bad trailer. <laughs> but I'm, I'm at this point, I'm used to bad trailers for yeah. things that turn out to be either great or at least watchable. You know? Yeah. Um, I think I think Rowan came up with a really good description from from the first episode, which is just like it, it feels like they didn't want to make a superhero show; they wanted to make a Scandi thriller. Yeah, and then they just sort of skinned superheroes over the top of it. The thing is, I don't think there's that much wrong with that. No, I didn't, not at all. But it's just sort of a bit weird when you go into watching a superhero show, mm. and that's the kind of take from it. Well, I mean, you look at the DC comics, the the detective comics. There are definitely runs of that that are more supernatural thriller than superhero comic. You're like your Zatanna's, your Constantine's, yeah. that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and your Justice yeah. League darks. And, yeah. You know, that is a thing DC Comics have done. And it's like this one seems to be leaning into detective comics with Dick Grayson doing his cop era thing. Mm-hmm. The supernatural horror comics with really leaning into Raven's demon heritage. Yep. And the alien comics with Starfire being an alien. Yeah. Without doing the superhero so much? So it's sort of taking the little bits from the backs of those and just go, right, we all know this is a superhero show, so let's just remove that common factor. Yeah, and lean it's... into the other things. <clears throat> yeah, which is cool. That's, that is an interesting way to do it. It's like DC is, in the movies, they've tried to be darker and grittier to get away from the Marvel styling. Yeah. And it's a terrible idea. But Titans does it a little bit more sensibly by not trying to do a dark and gritty superhero movie. It's like, let's take the actual sort of slightly darker, slightly edgier aspects of the comics and do those. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I um, I do have to question the Detroit Police Department, though. Because <laughs> Dick's just transferred from Gotham, right? Yes. And then that day, Robin appears yeah, in I Detroit. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> and it, I'm not saying it's a completely <clears throat> ridiculous costume, but, you know... It's more it sensible than a lot of Robin costumes. It is, but I'm saying, like, to hide his identity is pretty much just the domino mask. Yep. So, I mean, I'm not that, the that smartest a, cookie in the drawer. That seems enough for the DC Universe, though. Yeah, but, like, you'd think someone within an entire a pair police of department... glasses tend to work for the supers. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. But anyway, that's Titans... Yes. Better than the trailer made it seem. We don't know if it's good yet. I think that's a fair way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, that's not too bad. <laughs> so, um, I, I caved. I bought a PlayStation Mini. Oh, no. Why? 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 Well, it, it, was, it was, admittedly, it was a ridiculously low price, the one I bought. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, was it still, still too, too expensive? Uh, yeah, because it wasn't £10. Okay. That's, um, that's your price point. I would probably, I would probably say ten pounds would be about fine for it. Um, no, don't do it. 
Save yourself. <laughs> well, wasn't planning to, but I yeah, will take don't. that under advisement. Yeah, I did. I did read a really interesting thing about uh, some some uh, a hacker group that sort of hacked it the day it came out, and we're like, mm. we're not disappointed by the lack of games on it. We're disappointed by how easy it was to hack it. Like Sony <laughs> did not give a shit about the security on this thing. They just no. put it out there just so that they could get in on this market. But it wasn't even one of their own things. They used a, a third-party emulation software. Yeah, for it. yeah, yeah. They just licensed I'm, I'm, it. I'm, I'm not going to hack it. No, no. Um, like I, any any other games I have, I it literally I just got it just to have something there to sort of give it a go. And it was it was a low enough price the one I bought that it just sort of sucked me in as a as an impulse buy. Um, yeah. But like anything else, I would want to play on there. I already have like PC or PlayStation Four ports of yeah. So Fair. yeah, I mean, it's this is I think now the cheapest way, short of buying an actual original PlayStation, that you can play original Metal Gear Solid. Mm. You might be right because that's not available. I think unless you either find a PC version of it or get like the Japanese twentieth anniversary edition or whatever it was that came out. Um, I've got Twin Stakes, which is the GameCube remake, but. For the actual original PlayStation, this is, I think, the only way you can do it without buying an old PlayStation and buying an original. Yeah, in the, twins, in the Twin Stakes, they redid some of the dialogue. And stuff they redid the whole the whole yeah. thing, so they've replaced some of the voice actors and replaced some of the dialogue and everything. Did, and it's, did, it's still good. It's still great. Um, the same thing that they did with the Resident Evil remake. Yeah, which I've now seen bits of, like Resident Evil Two, the the new remake, and I'm like, yeah. this is a fucking ugly game <laughs> i've seen nothing but people talk about how gorgeous it is and i'm like but what the fuck what what am i looking at because everyone else seems to say it's absolutely beautiful and i'm like it looks like an early playstation 3 game like if, yeah it looks all right but it doesn't look like something people should be saying is a great looking triple a game of 2019 you know, it's like... Oh. Well, I've not seen it, so I don't oh, know. But... I don't know, I just... I don't know, sorry, I'm just... That's just me having my, my rant of the, of the thing. Of, <laughs> that, of, that's fair enough. Damn no, it, Sony. It's good, because Jack was asking me before we started if I had played the Resi 2 demo, and I was like, me? No. So, Ooh, but no, now we've no. had a little chat about it. Speaking of demos, though, did you play the Dead or Alive 6 open beta? Nope. No. Neither did I, technically. <laughs> um, I, I didn't bother because I did play Dead or Alive 5. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of feel it, like the franchise is dead. Yeah. It looks a little better than 5, but the first looks thing you see... Looks not the problem. No, no, looks <laughs> not the problem. The first thing you see upon opening it is the, the store. Yep, that's the like, problem. No, that's that's, a, that's problem. a big problem. It takes you straight into the store. No, well, no, that's, like, the the page has the menu on the left, and then the right-hand side is press square to pre-order this right. game and press triangle to open the store. Right. Uh, neither I of which have anything in like in, in Dead or Alive 5, uh, you had the loading hint on the menu to buy shit every yeah, single that was time. Like, that was, like, in the little bar at the bottom, wasn't it? Yes, but it was there um, all the time. Yeah, whereas this is literally the entire right-hand side of the screen. Um, and the other issue being, oh, it doesn't work. Like, I was playing the demo of it, and essentially you, you pick your character, and you, you pick your costume and glasses and haircut and all this, that, and the other. And then you go into it, and you face off again. You wait a little while in the lobby, waiting to get matched up with someone. Mm. And then you'll be matched up with someone, and you'll have 20 seconds to fight, 
and at the end of the 20 seconds, it freezes up and crashes. And it says, you have lost connection. Yep. Or right. they have lost connection. But yeah, and in one fight, since... literally none of the buttons on my controller did anything. <laughs> but ever since DOA 5, which if you go to the Steam store right now, you will notice has 71 pieces of DLC for a total mm. price of £997.9. Pence. Whoa! That's uh, more than I thought it was. I've yeah. decided maybe I'm done with DOA. I've still got a copy of DOA 4. That's fine. That still yep. works. Like, I was going to say they should just, just you know, bite the bullet and make it a goddamn freemium game, because they clearly want to. And then I forgot they did they make did. a the freemium game. The OE5 was freemium. <laughs> well, no, no, the, uh, the, the one they brought out, the, the, the volleyball one they've done recently that's a browser game. Okay, but you remember the DOA5 was free-to-play, right? Yeah, well, there was the, the core version, There wasn't was the there? core version, but there was also yeah. the free-to-play with a grand's worth of DLC. So they did make it freemium. That's exactly yeah. what they did. But like, I mean, like proper freemium, as in like the, the browser volleyball game is all like, uh, has eight different kinds of in-game currency, like hearts oh, and nice. charms and rainbows Quality. and stuff. So like, oh dear. Yeah, I, I'm so done with the whole franchise since it went complete monetization market. Which is a shame because having now played the PlayStation Mini and gone back and played Tekken 3, my favorite piece of up as a child, mm. I have really taken for granted how good a system Dead or Alive is as a beat-em-up. It's such a good system. Like, the actual it's, fighting system, DOA yeah. 3, DOA 4, still might be my favourite beat-em-up systems ever made. I have to yeah. disagree with Spriter, who says DOA 2 was the best. DOA 2 is how I got into it on the PlayStation 2. Um, I would probably say for... If you ignore all the DLC bullshit, 5 is also quite a lot of fun. Um... But 4 did have a Spartan in there, so, you know, <laughs> it probably just edges it out just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and the um, fighting system in 3, 4, and 5 are broadly similar. Very yeah. tiny tweaks between them. Uh, that, for me, was the sort of the best one-on-one -on -one combat game fighting system I've ever played. And yeah. I, I go and play Soul Calibur, which I love, mm. and it just doesn't flow the same. I go and play... Mortal Kombat or the Injustice games, and it feels really slow. slow and clunky. Oh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I want that fluid fighting mechanic, but I want it in a game that doesn't want to rinse me. Yeah, Tekken Tech, Three I have such a problem with now. Going back to it, I'm like, oh god, it's so slow. The button choices are so unintuitive. <laughs> like, you you got a PlayStation controller, right? You've got a PlayStation Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it makes sense having. Triangle and circle your kick buttons. Sorry, triangle and square are your punch buttons. X and circle are your kick buttons, yeah, right? Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. That makes sense. So, like, to do a certain special move, you would, for any other beat-em-up, would be things like roll forward and punch, or, mm -hmm. like, double forward and kick, or for example. Or if you're going to do, like, hold two buttons down, make it, like, triangle and circle or square and X. Yep. Right? Because that's how your thumb falls. That's the, Yeah, the number of moves in Tekken, which are things like hold down, back... Square and circle. The fuck? Which means you have to hold your controller like this. Yeah. Like a like a velociraptor. I mean, that is designed for a fighting stick, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I don't have one of those, and I don't want to invest in one. No. So, <laughs> no, thank you. I'll just I'll just play as Gon, the tiny little dinosaur, and just fart on everyone. <laughs> God, that game's stupid. Um. So yeah. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. Don't I have no get idea. <laughs> Don't get Dead or Alive 6. Don't get a PlayStation Mini. 
Um, ah, th- this is the weekly anti-recommendations from Kyrie. Yeah, don't <laughs> do not do drugs, kids, and don't play Dead or Alive 6. And don't watch Bird... Ah, watch Bird Box if you want to watch Bird Box. Yeah, up to you. Yeah, I take it or leave but... it. Nah, you're not missing mm. much. So anything else? Or shall we get on with the show proper? Oh yes, we have a show to do. We do. Yeah, let's do that. So this recommendation was from Sixie. On the Discord. Yay! Yes. I know her. Yes, you do. I was waiting for a response. Who asked... I was like, who the hell's that? <laughs> oh, right, my fiancé, right. Yes, yeah. your fiancé. <laughs> um, yes, who wanted us to talk about CCGs, TCGs, and Kyrie and I, just before we started, added LCGs to that yeah. list. And I figured between us, we probably have enough experience of Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, and more that we can probably talk about this Yeah, pretty easily. What's an LCG? Ah, well, funnily enough, that's it's what a, Kyrie was asking me to define. It's a Limbic card game. <laughs> it is a living or limited card game. So for people who are completely out of their depth here and are like they don't know what any of these things are, a TCG. You just said a bunch of letters. What do they exactly. mean? <laughs> Who wants to play a TCG? <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to play a good old-fashioned TCG CCG, folks? A TCG <laughs> or CCG is a tradable or collectible card game, like Pokemon card game, Yu-Gi-Oh card game, Magic: The Gathering. You know, you buy some cards and then you buy endless boosters with random different cards in them trying to get the card you want and then you trade with your friends because you end up with loads of duplicates and you build a deck and then there is a game that you play with those decks but the collecting and the trading is part of the the experience or you hit someone in the back of the head and you take their exodia that's a form of trading yeah yeah it's (laughs) it's not a popular (laughs) form but uh, it's a common form I win uh, and that existed for a really long time. And really long uh, time. I I play Artifact a lot in Magic, but never mind, we'll talk about that later. Um, it, it reached a sort of level of unpopularity because it's essentially microtransactions, but you don't get explicitly what you pay for. Uh, yeah. you, you get a random <laughs> set of cards, most of which you won't want in any yep. given set. Loot boxes. Loot boxes. It's fucking loot boxes. Yes, booster packs for CCGs are loot boxes. You're exactly right. Um, oh no, I love booster packs. Would I, would I also love loot boxes? You might, I don't know. Oh no, I have disposable income. <laughs> oh, this is dangerous. And I have, a, I have a bookcase to put things on. I will show you the bookcase. Oh, Sprite meant Artifact, the Valve CCG, not the uh, not mm. Artifact type cards in Magic the Gathering. That's a different thing. Uh, so the the limited or living card game was the solution to the random booster pack nonsense. Right. Uh, a great example of this, because it's one of the most widely popular, it's one I've played, so I have first-hand experience of, and it's one that is over, <laughs> oh. is Android Netrunner. I know that name. Uh I mean, I Netrunner. Android I and know. Netrunner as franchises have existed for ages. Uh, we've played... A board game that I think Sixie bought me for Christmas one year. Android yeah. uh, Investigations, the one which is a cyberpunk murder mystery. We have played that at a board game yeah. night once. Um, and that's set in the same universe. Ah. So it's 
Uh, it's actually a combination of two universes. One of them is actually the Cyberpunk 2020 slash 2027 universe, mm-hmm. which is where the Netrunner side of it comes. And Android was a series of various science fiction-y, cyberpunk-y board games. And Android Netrunner combines both licenses, which is why it's over. Because <laughs> now there's a new cyberpunk game coming out. The cyberpunk license became too expensive, uh, so it got dropped. Right. But the concept of a limited or living card game is when you buy the starter box for Android Netrunner, it's not like buying a starter deck for Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic, which will give you a set of cards that will work together to build a deck, but then there are hundreds and hundreds out there to collect. Mm. Uh, When you buy the starting box of Android Netrunner, you get all the cards. Oh. All of them. For the first release. Ah. And then you can you, you split that up and you have the deck for mm. each faction. You have all of the card options for each faction and a set of neutral cards that you can use to, you know, tweak and customize your deck to your playstyle. Mm. And then there are series editions. So uh just trying to think what the first one was. It was an expansion for two of the factions. Just off the top of my head, I'm going to say Hass, Bioroid, and, I don't know, one of the runners. The game was pitched. It's it's slightly asynchro- uh, asymmetrical. It's a corporation and a runner, and the runner tries to invade the corporation, and a game consists of each player taking a round at each role. Mm. So I will start off as runner and you as corporation and I will try and run on you and I'll score as many points as possible. Then you will use your runner deck to infiltrate my corporation and score as many points as possible. And the winner is the one with the best total at the end. Okay. Um, And so you buy an expansion pack and the expansion packs are themed around the different, there's sort of one runner faction, one corporation faction in each expansion, which contains every card from that expansion. Okay. So rather than a Magic the Gathering expansion, which is we've introduced a series of another 250 cards, and they will be spread throughout these boosters, and you'll have to pay hundreds and hundreds of pounds to get them all, and mm. end up with a bunch of duplicates, mm. instead you pay a more reasonable sort of 20, 30 pounds, and get everything. Okay. So there's no random element, there's no collection and trading element, there's just, I play these factions, I'll buy the expansions with that faction in it, and then I'll have every card I could possibly want. Hmm. So yeah. it's just taking the random element out and the cost hmm. down, but not eliminating the cost. Yeah. <laughs> and it also means that uh, for tournaments and things, it's fair because everyone has the equal odds of being able to build the optimum deck because they've all got all the cards for all the factions that they play. Sure. Uh, rather than, it- you know, oh, I have a Black Lotus, you're fucked. Yeah, because you're not going to find one. Uh, it's it, well, Black Lotus was a second edition card. Uh, everyone has it, <laughs> right? Give a quick explanation as to what Black Lotus does. Uh, Black Lotus, I cannot remember. It's you tap it oh. and it's five of any mana, or is it one of each mana in Magic: The Gathering? Yeah, uh, it was what it was was an incredibly rare card that you could sell for thousands if you had one in good condition. Um, and then, the, then there was the unglued one. Oh yes, there was. The, was it off white lotus or something? I think like that? so. Yeah. 
which was it did the same thing, but you had to tear it in half to activate yes, it. Yes, so it became rarer every time someone used one. <laughs> yeah, Black Lotus. Sacrifice Black Lotus, add three mana of any one colour. Okay, so it was three of any colour. Yeah. It was just a very high utility card in Magic that was mm. very popular mm. and very rare. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of the uh, sale prices for it, it was just like... Well, there you go. What is a sale price for a Black Lotus card now? Uh, you're ranging anywhere from five grand and up. There you go. And uh, your average Netrunner expansion was like a tenner and contained this- every card in the expansion. This, way, this one I'm looking at, uh, condition heavily played, signed, £5,999.99. pence. <laughs> like, mm, what? Fair enough. <laughs> That's Black Lotus. What? <laughs> and I got uh, someone selling an alpha edition of the card at about £125,000. Yep. Plus tax. <clears throat> yeah. What is wrong with magic players, Simon? Uh, a lot. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That you know, six grand for the heavily played version. Uh, a good condition is eight grand. Does Does Magic the Gathering what? ban cards? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, in a casual game between friends, you agree whatever rules you want. Yeah. yeah, but uh, for tournaments, there are definitely cards that get banned each edition because uh, mm. generally there is a cycle to all collectible card games and all uh, tradable card games where they'll release a new set. It will include a card that will have you know a particular rule or effect that the designers hadn't thought about the way it would interact with every other card ever released just within the edition. Uh, a player finds a ridiculously broken way of combining it with something else to produce, for example, an infinite number of squirrels. Um, uh, no, arbitrary. Arbitrary number, an arbitrarily <laughs> large number of squirrels. <laughs> and then that card will be banned for tournament use because someone realized it was broken as hell. Um, for example, Skull Clamp was banned. Uh, I, I was talking earlier about how I use Artifact. In Magic the Gathering, I have a deck that is completely tournament banned uh, <laughs> because it's broken as fuck. Every single card in it is an artifact, including the lands. Uh, now, people who know what Magic the Gathering is will just go, oh, Jesus. Um, so normally about a third of your deck is land cards, mm. which you use to generate mana, which is your your resource for buying cards to summon creatures or do effects. Uh, Now, they released one edition, and I can't remember which edition it was, that was really, really artifact-heavy. A lot of artifact creatures, a lot of artifact effects, and a lot of them had affinity for artifacts. Now, affinity was for a land type, so if you had affinity for planes, the more planes cards you had in play, the less... A creature would cost to summon if it had affinity for planes. Affinity for artifact, all my land is artifact, all my creatures are artifact. For every artifact in play, my creatures become cheaper. So I had creatures who were like 13 summoning cost. Uh, You're looking at an average of, what, three to five for a big hitting card in Magic? Uh, It depends on whether you're playing green or not. Uh, That's true. 
yeah. but certainly not 13. I mean, I'm used to playing black, so I'm used to playing pretty much nothing for my cards, <laughs> as long as you just, like, you know, spit on them before you uh, play them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a 13 um, summoning cost card that very quickly became free for me uh, because of affinity. And also, uh, Skullclamp basically allowed you to uh, attach it as equipment to a creature at a cost of minus one defense to the creature, and that would give you... It was untap something else. Right. Now, was it untap? It, it had an effect. Yeah. So basically that would kill your creature if it was only one health and send it to the graveyard. Fine. Because this artifact deck also contained things to summon back from the graveyard, uh, untap on things going into the graveyard. So you could very quickly create an infinite cycle of voluntarily killing your own creature to trigger all these effects. And not sacrifice, by the way, which is a mechanic in the game where you sacrifice something to do a thing. No, this yeah. is just using a, a piece of artifact equipment to kill it, so there is no sacrifice involved. <laughs> And it would just set off all these chain reactions and combos and, and it became basically unkillable in a few turns. It was offensive, screamingly offensive, and it was very quickly banned. They banned half of the creatures with... Um, I can't remember the rules. It didn't have like an attack and a health. It had a number of tokens on it, each of which was equivalent to 1-1. One, one. But right. they could be moved around, so when your creature went to the graveyard, its tokens went on to another creature that had the same mechanic... Uh, so also whenever I was skull clamping it, I was just powering up something else. Um, <laughs> it was it was called Ravfinity, if you want to look up the broken rule set, Ravager Affinity. Um, and it was a bunch of cards in that edition that did broken, broken things to each other when combined with cards from other um, editions of Magic. And so to solve the problem, because a bunch of Ravfinity decks turned up at tournaments that year, uh, is it Wizards Do Magic? Yes. It is, yeah, I thought so. Uh, they banned Skull Clamp and a couple of other cards that were key to all the combinations and made mm. them tournament illegal. So you can't use those in tournaments anymore. Huh. It's how they, they break all the obviously, obviously broken deck mechanics. Mm. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! does the same thing. There are certain it cards does. in yes. Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. that are banned from tournaments. I, same as well. Yep. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. I'm looking to see whether I've got... Because I have so many Yu-Gi-Ohs up there. But I don't know how many of them are banned. There's probably a shitload of Monster Reborns and Mirror Forces in there. Um, but you know what? I do also have the best card. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Pokemon probably has tournament illegal cards as well. Yes. Yeah, they've got. There's all sorts in there. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't list any off the top of my head, sort of thing. Because they they change every year, mm. but even in like Pokemon the video game tournaments, they've got banned Pokemon. And stuff. Have they? Yeah, oh, I did not know that. So there, there's like restrictions. So like you can only use one of a particular Pokemon per team. So you can't have like a team of six Magikarp. <laughs> sort of thing. Because it's all due to because uh, one tournament, some guy came in with a team of six Wobbuffet. <laughs> and with Wobbuffet, it's, it's got no attack moves. No. And it's so broken that any, you know, if you can get the right counter on, you just take out 
the entire team. So you're still so allowed like, a Wobba Fett. You have one. But you can't have a team. Yeah. So, uh, Jack, yes. you used to play... Did you used to play Yu-Gi-Oh's? I did. All right. If I were to say to you, what, like, what, what would happen... If I wanted to win, just win the game with five cards in my hand, what would I need? Squirrel Nest? Well, I mean... If we were playing, like, old, <laughs> old school Yu-Gi-Oh! OG Yu-Gi-Oh! OG Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, that'd be, that would be the five parts of Exodia. Hells yes, it would! <laughs> <laughs> the Forbidden One. Yeah. Oh, I'm suddenly reminded of the modular Minds of Moria, I think it was, in Magic, which is unoriginally named, but they were artifact cards that it was four parts that each did something on their own, but if you had all four, did something ridiculous. Ah! There's, there, there's a lot of um, affinity stuff going on with the current Yu-Gi-Oh meta where you need cards that have, like, uh, for every card that has blank in its name, this card gains this special rule or what have mm. you. Mm. Um, I like the... Uh, my, my favourite deck in that was a, was a Karakuri deck, which is kind of like creepy puppet ninjas. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing was basically like... Mechanical some- ninjas, yeah. Yeah, if something attacks, then any of your Karakuris that are, like, in defense mode, so that are sort of blocking things, become attacking things. They basically become un... They go from a defense mode to attack mode, and vice versa. So anyone that's going up against you needs to essentially take into account what's going to happen after they've attacked. Because you're essentially going and fighting a tiny clockwork mechanical fortress. Mm. Um, I kind of like that because it's just like, right, I'm going to put this down and I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen two turns from now. Ah, yes, machine decks where you set up lots of complicated interactions. Yeah. Yeah, that happens in Magic as well. My artifact deck was very much a machine deck. Yeah, I've I've watched videos of... uh, stuff from from the uh, video games and from tournaments where... A guy plays one card, and it's just, like, constant. And you look at the deck number for cards left to draw, and it's like, he has five cards left from one move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's won the match. That, that so happens that's a, with that's machines. A, yeah. That's a milling... That, that there is a milling deck, yep. which mm. you would be very, very useful for Exodia, because Exodia, that little fellow over there, you win when you have the five cards for Exodia in your hand or on the field. It's, it's, it just says you it's win in the your game. Hand. As soon as you have all five... Pieces, it's a, yeah. it's a win. It's not even like, oh, it does this. It's like, no, no, you win the game. That's pretty that broken. Is, that is one of the... Well, it's it's very difficult to specifically have those five cards in your hand, so there are decks all based around I trying to get Yu-Gi-Oh it. I guess Yu-Gi-Oh doesn't have as many deck-searching mechanics as Magic, then. <laughs> no, no, and it also has a lot more of uh, send X number of cards from the opponent's deck into the graveyard. Cool, cool, yeah, yeah. Mm. And then, yeah... And fewer then, recovery options, I guess. A, there's a lot of recovery options for taking things from the graveyard into play, less to take them back into your hand. And it's only if they're in your hand that you win. Yeah, uh, and you have to then... It. And you have to decide whether you want to go for a milling deck where you're trying to get rid of your deck and put it into your hand as quickly as possible, or whether you're trying to go for a necromancy deck where you're trying to get things into your graveyard and then back from there into your hand. So you've got to try and figure out which sort of thing you're going to go with. And that's if you're just... If you want to go for an Exodia deck, yep. which... This, I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things in that regard. This is a pretty yeah. much a fundamental of the collectible card game. Is, yeah. uh I don't know how it is for Yu-Gi-Oh, but certainly in Magic, it seems like every edition is themed around a new mechanic. Uh, yes. And then you, yeah. you 
come up with clever ideas of how to use that mechanic. Like one of my favorite mechanics in the editions when I was still playing Magic was Bushido, which was oh yes from Kamigawa. Yeah, when characters yeah. had two different summoning costs. One was the outright summoning cost to just play them, and the other, usually slightly cheaper, was the cost to Bushido them in play to replace a character in play whilst they attacked or whilst they were blocking. So yep. once the enemy has said, I will block your tiny little rat with, with my mean thing, you just go, haha, but my tiny little rat... Bushido is actually a giant rat who is going to kick your fucking ass. Goodbye. Yep. Um, and that way they had to sort of remember what had Bushidoed out and what was still in your hand. And they, they could still sort of know what your team lineup was, but they could never quite predict who would be where at any given moment. <laughs> Kamigawa also gave us a soul shift as well, because the idea of like reincarnation. So once one of your spirits died, you could bring from the graveyard another spirit of us of one less casting yes, cost back into yes, play. Yes, of the same type, so but cheaper. Yeah, so it just gets reincarnated as something slightly weaker. Yeah. But when you desperately need to create like a, a, a tar pit to stop them from getting to you, you can just keep milling through the graveyard and everything. But I just really love Bushido because, of course, oftentimes in Magic, when you've got just little 1-1 creatures, tiny little annoyances attacking you, you'll just mm. go, fuck it, I'll take that damage. You cannot afford to do that with Bushido because that 1-1 <laughs> one, one could be the one that kills you. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually funnily enough. That is how I got into Magic was Kamigawa, which is, which is weirdly how we met, Simon. Oh, yeah, it was. Down at the pit. Yep. The uh, the magic draft, yes, and that was during Kamigawa release. That is something you don't get with limited card games: is the drafts, which is yeah. a way of playing a collectible card game, uh, which is a hilarious way of playing a collectible card game, which is where you all go in and uh, there's usually sort of an entrance fee to cover the cost of buying a whole bunch of boosters, and then those boosters are opened at the table and then passed round either to the left or the right and you'll take a card you want for your deck and then pass the rest of the booster on. Okay. And if you're the only one building a blue deck, good for you. You'll get all the good blue cards. If <laughs> there's more than one person building a blue deck, you might find the ones getting passed to you don't have shit in them. So you end up with ah. the weirdest fucking incompatible multicolored bullshit deck you could possibly imagine... Yep. Lands are free, because everyone has land, so you don't get them in the boosters necessarily, you just draw from a pool, and yeah. then you all play with the nonsense decks you've drafted, and take them home. So it's like you buy the boosters yourself, but the cards you end up with are slightly tailored to your preference, um, less <laughs> random the the than just buying boosters... And, uh, and at the end of the evening, everyone links arms, smiles, and kicks the shit out of the blue players. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Nobody likes blue players. But drafts are fun because no one has any, like... Magic massively favours the people with the time and the money to mm. find and to craft the most ridiculous deck concept and then find the specific cards it needs to make them work. Drafts do not favor those people. Drafts favor people who are winging it. Uh, yep. And that is a lot of fun, because no one has a chance to plan a ridiculous strategy in a draft. Everyone is just going, 
fuck, I've got like five blues, two reds, and seven white creatures. What the fuck do I do with this shit? None of them work together. Okay, let's see how this goes. And that's more fun. Sometimes magic does do fun stuff. I'm thinking like the unglued and the unhinged and uh, I forget what the unstable, the most recent one. Those are always good, yes. Yeah. Cards that, again, not tournament legal. No. uh, And they very much have a theme, like any other release. Mm -hmm. And the theme is, what if the people who come up with the effects of magic cards had gone completely fucking loony? Um, There are, one of my favourites was a card that was, like the um, the Off-White Lotus was a slight rework of a classic card for comedy effect. Yeah. There was one that was a rework of a classic card, which was just an insta-banish, like it just removed any card from the game. Yeah. Reworded with just one change, remove any card from a game. From a so, game? Yes, so, so not necessarily one you're playing in. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow. There was also the one that uh, was, uh, this card removes any card that it touches. Yes. So you play it, and then you tear it into into confetti, and then you throw it over your opponent's field. Yep. And anything that gets touched by any piece of the card that you have torn up is immediately banished. There's the uh, the shoe tree, which comes into play with two plus two plus two tokens on it, but the tokens have to be represented by your shoes. Yep. And it's shoes worn by you, not on your feet. Yes. You could balance them anywhere, and if you had more shoes, you could power the creature up by balancing more yes. shoes on you. You just had to have more you shoes. You could even just ask to borrow other people's shoes, as long as there were shoes on you. <laughs> the, uh, what was it? The, our market research shows that people like cards with really long names, so we created the card with the longest name ever, Elemental. Yep. Uh, there was one that I believe uh, Target Player has to buy you a drink, and that's all it was. Yes, yep. Uh, the pygmy giant, which I remember specifically had, uh, this creature does any, this creature does a set number of damage equal to any number found in the flavor text of a card. And underneath it, it just said 47, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what magic do every so often with their joke releases. And they are quite fun. I think the, the absolute best one though was like uh, my, all-time favorite one is like the the eldritch abomination of unknowing evil or something like that and it was basically just a tiny little cute christmas card mouse on ice skates <laughs> and it was it was a, a black just pure black creature um cost a crap load of mana to bring out and it was a unstoppable like you know flying trampling 2020 creature or something like that um and uh as part of the cost to play it if it wasn't in your hand if it was in your deck you had to go through your deck every single turn take it out of your deck, show it to your opponent and say, it's coming, <laughs> and then shuffle it back into your deck. <laughs> now, if you want the most batshit insane Magic the Gathering experience of all time, combine the last two things we talked about. Have a draft tournament of one of these editions. We should absolutely do that sometime. Where the only cards in play are these ones. That's a stream we could do oh some God, point. That would, yes, that would work <laughs> quite well. <laughs> Let's teach Irish how to play Magic the Gathering in an unglued fucking, uh, yeah. Yeah. That'll go down oh, oh my god, well. Loading Ready Run did that? According to Sprite. pre 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 pre-release. Right, I'm, I know what I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, I did find, I did look into some, an interesting one uh, from, from a few years back. 
Uh, are people familiar with the role-playing game Legend of the Five Rings? I am aware of it. I've never played it, but mm. I've heard of it. Um, have you played Seventh Sea? Uh, I am aware of it. <laughs> okay. It wouldn't mean much if I said it's like Seventh Sea, but samurai yeah. instead of pirates. Um, basically, yeah, Legend of the Five Rings is a game set in not Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, <laughs> That's it is a It is. It is. Um, and it's, it's a pretty interesting little lore-based world and everything like that with there were some really cool little ideas in it. But, like, the plus of the RPG progressed. Yeah. And it progressed from edition to edition and splat book to splat book based on the results of the card game tournament because it was also a card game. Okay. Uh, CCG. Um, and I thought that was a really cool little thing. And now they don't do that because Fantasy Flight now owns the rights to it and they've just turned it to a living card game and gone, right, the, the tournaments, we're going to still have tournaments, but they don't affect yeah. anything. And I thought, oh, that's a shame. That's, that was a really cool little idea. And then I did some reading into it and found out, oh, no, the writers just claimed they were taking the results of the tournament. <laughs> Turns out they were completely ignoring the results of the tournament <laughs> and just taking the plot in the direction they thought it should go because the writers all loved, like, the Mantis clan, which is the pirates in there. Gotcha. And, and they hated the, uh, the Crane clan, who were all the diplomats, and went, right, so the Crane had done quite well in this last tournament, but we don't like them, so. <laughs> so the Mantis win. <laughs> Yeah, the Mantis are doing really well in this edition. Speaking of RPGs and CCGs, there was a Vampire the Masquerade CCG. There were several. There were. Because this is the thing, like, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic are the ones that will probably have the most name recognition. But, oh my, are there a fuck ton of them. Uh, This is the other way in which CCGs are loot boxes, in that once someone made money out of it, everyone wanted some. So... Kin- oh, was it, uh, Vamp- was it Kindred the Embraced? Kindred the Embraced was the one no, I va- played. Va- no, uh, Vamp- Vampire the Eternal Struggle. Oh, sorry, that yes, was it. you're right. Kindred the Embraced was the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> Which was not good. Um, uh, I, I, like, you know what? You know what? I, this is completely out of the, 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 not what we're talking about. I recently looked up Kindred the Embraced and found out it's got crap loads of really good reviews online. That doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't, but I'm like, why isn't this one of those things where everyone's just like, it's no, it's not even people saying it's so bad it's good, or like appreciating it in a cult way. It's just people saying it's quite well made and like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, if you can think of a franchise, odds are it's had a CCG. I've personally owned Star Wars ones, Star Trek ones, mm. um, Babylon 5 one, uh, Marvel one, DC one. Uh, as I said, the vampire one. Yep. Uh, what else? Pretty sure there was a Sim City one at one point, which is a weird choice. Huh. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a WWE one. Uh, <laughs> BattleTech has had one, which was not bad actually. Uh, yeah, there was there was a craze for them in the mid '90s. It just everybody wanted one because they were money mills. Because People bought booster packs like candy, trying to get those rare cards. It was insane. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to make money. Just uh, let's start a dangerously unprepared collectible card game. Well, unfortunately, we're in the era of the limited card game now, or the living card game. There's yes. Yeah, mm. So what you're saying is there's a niche. <laughs> I, yes, and I think Magic still fills it. And Yu-Gi-Oh! And Pokemon. Yeah. Mm. See, I mean, they, they uh, keep bringing out new card games every year. I mean, was it? There's a Zelda one now. Is there? Well, I assume so. There is a booster pack for sale of the Zelda collectible card game at my local Waterstones. 
Okay. A singular <laughs> booster pack. No starter kits, no no structure decks, just one booster pack of the Zelda card game. I, I'm tempted to buy it, but without anything else to go with it. Oh, um, Warhammer Age of Sigmar has a card game out now. Was oh, that out now? Yes. Yeah, I knew they were a doing lot it. Of fun. Now, is that, oh, is that yeah. the digital version or is that the physical version? Because they were going to release both. Uh, it, it is both. Okay. So, like, you, you buy the physical cards mm-hmm. and then you get the app on your phone of the, the, the digital yep. card game. And you just you scan the card, and then you've got it in your digital. Okay, deck. so it is microtransactions, but you're buying a physical thing to unlock the content. Yeah, that's that is the way I thought they'd do it. I yeah. mean, it's kind of the shadier way because I mean the beautiful thing about that, of course, is if you make a mobile game, uh, in-app purchases, you're giving thirty percent to Google or Apple. But if you're telling them yeah. to go down to their local gaming store and buy a pack of booster cards. You ain't giving shit to Google or Apple for that. <laughs> yep. Um, I've played, I've got a, I've got a chaos deck um, and it, it's a lot of fun actually. Mm. Like it's, it's a little interesting thing where you've got like, you've got your four heroes and they power up based on certain quests they get given. So like if it has a fist icon, it means he needs to beat someone in a fight. Yeah. So as long as they ha- they win one combat, they then move on to the next quest and they power up from there. And you can get nice little combos going from that. And you've got like a, your playmat essentially has the icons on it. So it's your own little quest tree on your playmat. So it's a nice little idea. Um, I've not bought any boosters for it yet. I've just been playing with the Chaos uh, Starter deck. Mm. Um, but it's a, lot of, it's a lot of fun. I don't know if I'd necessarily get more of it because, you know, it's Games Workshop. They already have a lot, enough of my money. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one. There have been a lot of attempts to make the collectible card game go digital and some mm. of them have been successful some of them have been hilarious um there were obviously Hearthstone. well that's one of the more recent ones but i was thinking way back mm. in the day uh do you remember you had those one game consoles that were card battlers and you bought cards with barcodes on to scan them into the console Ooh. and and that was a no. thing no that, that was that, that was an attempt to to do that bridge between the physical and the virtual, uh, and then I remember there was that PlayStation. It's the next one I was going to mention. Yeah, the Battle yeah. Eye, the one where oh, I have judgment. I have judgment. I have judgment. That's where it, the yeah. cards were sort of that augmented reality thing, where you used your PlayStation Eye to make them come alive, mm. uh, and then the Warhammer one. And of course, there's been just purely digital versions of Pokemon, of Magic the Gathering, of Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. And like Hearthstone and Artifact, Valve's attempt at doing it. Um, I'll tell you what, if you want to look into a digital collectible card game, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! app, is mm. quite a good one, actually. Okay. Like, I assume there's microtransactions in there somewhere, I, but I've never needed to use mm. them, and it's mostly a player-based, uh, uh, what's the word, like auction house kind of thing. Um, and it's basically just the, the tabletop, the card game, the collectible yeah. card game, but like a stripped-down version. So instead of five spaces to put your cards, yeah. mm. you, you have three. Okay. So it's right. just, you're playing less cards, you have less in your deck, and it's a, just a, a 
very pared down version of the rules. Condensed sort of thing. Yeah, and it's all it's just a quick and simple go, version. Yeah, you can you can go and you buy booster packs at the local shop in the game, <laughs> um, but you also win cards from doing certain missions and things like that. And it's okay. like that's a really nice way of doing things. I've never needed to spend any money on it, and I still have quite a bit of fun. That's with it. always a good. So if sign. you're looking to get, yeah, if you're looking to have some fun and learn how to play Yu-Gi-Oh, hmm. learning it from like like the training wheels version of it, hmm. go with Duel Links. Don't play it with the sound on if it's the middle of the <laughs> night. though. Always good advice. <laughs> There are no thing. There is nothing in the world louder than the Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links opener. There's also no coincidence to the fact that Tabletop Simulator uh, has all sorts of systems built in for card decks, drawing mechanics, and all of that. Because there are mm. a lot of CCGs that have been officially, or indeed most times very unofficially, converted into Tabletop Simulator packages. We should play one of those. We should. And, like, Hearthstone, I think we got to call Hearthstone the most successful attempt to do a digital trading card game. Yeah. Is that the, the Witcher one? No, no that is no. Blizzard. Blizzard one. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking of, am I thinking of Keystone or something? Gwent you are thinking of Gwent. Gwent, Gwent, yeah. Gwent is the Witcher one. <laughs> one of the things I like about Hearthstone is it, really plays on being a digital game. Uh, in mm. the same way I love the VR version of Werewolf for doing things you can't do in real life. Uh, Hearthstone does the same thing. Like, there are cards with effects on there that you literally could not do in real life, uh, but work fine because it's it's a video <clears> game and they can conjure shit out of thin air. Sure. Right. <laughs> I've tried multiple times to get into Hearthstone and just, nah. Yeah. It's a nice game. It's very yeah. pretty looking. It pl it plays very well, but it's just not my thing. I'll I'll be honest. I've played it. I'm the same. Can't get into it. Um, I can't get into CCGs now. Um, oh, no. Since I started playing um, LCGs, like they they just make a lot more sense to me. Uh, like I, am gonna I like make... that limited expense. I like knowing how much this is going to cost me before I get into it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make a DCG. I, I played Magic the Gathering. I, I know what I'm like. So I don't want to get into a CCG again. <laughs> I, I like playing card games. Not so much the CCG, TT, TCG games anymore. Hmm. Just because, yeah, the expense. I'd rather yeah, pay out the one time for a set of Gloom or something. Yeah, I I like spending lots and lots of money on booster packs and uh, and uh, structure decks for games that I don't play anymore. <laughs> I still buy Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh in about six years. Oh dear! I mean, some of the artwork mm. is really nice and it's yeah, nice to have, but unless you display that shit, it's kind of I I why? I, op I opened up a pack recently to see what some of the new card archetypes are and everything. Mm. Um. And I was like, well, you know, I, the, the, some of them used to be quite fun and there were some really funny things out there. And the first thing I saw when I opened it up was a, a, a zombie type card. So it's right. just generic undead type card. Yeah. Right. And it was a cow, but it had no legs. It was all just like a wisp on its legs. Right. And it was a cartoon cow with like a wispy, ghostly trail coming off of it. Right. right. And it was called Ghost Beef. <laughs> And I was like, shit, I fucking love Yu-Gi-Oh again, apparently. <laughs> that is kind of amazing. I yeah. love that. 
But yeah, I, I installed and tried the uh, video game version of Magic the Gathering, which is literally just Magic the Gathering, except you yes. buy your booster packs in the game. Uh, and then I very quickly uninstalled it, not because oh. I didn't like it, but oh, it's the opposite thing. <laughs> I was like, oh I, oh, I can see this costing me a lot of money. Goodbye. I have, I have the same thing. I have the same, uh, as in I have the same game on Steam. Mm. And I was like, oh, cool, I remember this. Yeah, I'll shell out a little bit of extra money just to have the foil sleeves on my cards. Yeah. Oh, I've already I've done that now. Yes. Uh, oh, no. You're committed right. now. <laughs> yeah, now I have to play it. Kyrie. Yo. You, you didn't explain this very well. You didn't explain the fact of this ghost beef card has been sliced into thin slices. <laughs> yeah. And it is taglined the ghost of Christmas dinner. Yeah. What's wrong? <laughs> okay, now I'm looking at it, and oh my god. <laughs> there are some great Yu-Gi-Oh cards out I there. I love the German name. Yeah? Geisterfleisch. <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> that's, just, that's just Meat Ghost, mm. which I think was my nickname at school. <laughs> Portuguese mm. Carne Fantasma. Is it, this is like when, uh, when Troy and I sat down and were looking at the... Um, at the, the, the names for all the different things in Games Workshop in different languages, and we realized that Spanish was the, the best language to get into the hobby for. Right. Because, uh, you know, the, the Eldar Wraith Lord. Mm. Now, Wraith Lord is cool. That's a great name, right? In Spanish, it was Señor Espectral, Mr. Ghost. Mr. Ghost. Mr. Ghost. Not, like, it's the... Literal explanation. Like, I'm sure it actually sounds correct in Spanish, but I'm just like, Mr. Ghost? That's not intimidating. <laughs> Mr. Ghost is a lovely name. Yeah, and then there's also like dire wolves were lobos espectrales, which were ghostly wolves. Right, this is straying further and further from the subject, but that is what we do here. But uh, Yeah, sorry. Do yeah. you remember the website they put up when they were... Uh, not long ago, like last year or year before, when they were trying to launch 40k in Japan. <gasps> yes! No. And the translations of the Japanese descriptions of like the space marines and various alien races were amazing. They were phenomenal. Because wow. <laughs> they basically just did little biographies for all the... It's when they were releasing the easy-to-build space marines who were just mm. snap, snap, done. You don't even need to paint it. Yeah, you don't even need to glue it. What's crazy about that shit is that when you do paint it, the paint is, it, it's built in such a way that when you've put it all together and painted it, the layer of paint makes it just thick enough to hold itself together. So you don't need to glue it. That shit is bizarre. I love it. Um, but yes, every character, because it was built to have their own like dynamic pose and all that sort of stuff so that the, you could see exactly who this character was. Um, and they really just pushed it in a very anime kind of way to japan being like oh this guy has this personality type and everything and like i was very very surprised to see they didn't put like the blood type of the various space marines on there <laughs> <laughs> they might as well have but they were amazing so they had like uh after familiarizing himself with a heavy weapon in a squad squad and by acquiring <laughs> proximity battle in an ambush squad lettuce gain found her own career Tactical squad, tactical marine. His speed of fire is amazing, even if it is shooting while running to the front line. The bullet he shoots hits the enemy with ruthless accuracy. 
There are few things that go out to the right of the gains in the shooting while moving. Indeed, in the final charge of victory, he is often at the forefront of it. Yeah, there's, I see... <laughs> the translations can, are so beautiful. Wow. Well, that I can actually understand what is going on in that description. It's when they start talking about... Why do they translate Xenos as? Oh, wasn't it just like the foreigners? No, the it, heterogeneous. I, the heterogeneous, that was the yes, one. Yes, because here is the description for great greedy things, a.k.a. Tyranids, as we would call yeah. them. Uh, Tyranid invades the human galaxy. Tyran battle broke out by the attack of the collective fleet behemoths. The Tyrian star system and the Sandros system are destroyed. The heterogeneous group also appeared in Ultramar star region within the same year. It kills several planets and causes a great deal of damage to ultramarine fighting teams. Several accomplishments established in McClag's battle have been handed down as particularly famous among the immortal legends. This is going way off the road. About yeah. the ultramarine <laughs> fighting team... Ultimately, the threat of the collective fleet behemoths ended with a fierce bombardment by the two fighters of Empire. Despite being rebuilding from scars of war damage, many of the subjects living in limited space still have an unnoticeable feeling against the boundary of the space that their anxiety is only growing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, more, what more do you need? But yes, heterogeneous was how they translated Xeno, which yeah. was amazing. Wow. I mean... The Tyranids are the Great Devourer, so the Great Greedy The thing, Great Greedy thing does work. And that, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> also, the Necron chapter, if you translate it from Japanese, is titled The Rise of the Old People. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The Rise right. of the Ancients. They are. They are. <laughs> they are the old people. <laughs> the ancient just, ones, as we would I'm, call them. Wait, I'm just saying, right, people land on their tomb worlds and the Necrons rise up to destroy them and cast them from the world. They are literally waking up and saying, get off my lawn, you damn kids. <laughs> like, wow, that's, they've got it right right there. Also, wow. just the caption on the galaxy, just Milky War Field. <laughs> that Jeez. sums up 40k perfectly. Behold, the Milky War Field. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... Uh, Chaos, yep. Empire, and Heterosexual were the actual captions on the sections on the website to click on. Yeah. Hmm. They were heterogeneous in most of the description, but for the menu, they were heterosexual. Now, I'm not saying that now, this means that heterosexuals are aliens. <laughs> but I am but... saying that if the, the distinct categories are Chaos, mm. Empire, and Heterosexual... I have bad news for any fragilely masculine straight boys playing Empire Armies. Yeah. <laughs> They're canonically oh not heterosexual. And I'm just going to say, like, you know, it, it's not like we're just going to say that, you know, all, all straight people are actually aliens. But when has Japan steered us wrong before, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my God. Wow, that was oh. a tangent. That was... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wow. So card games. <laughs> well, Games Workshop had a card game. It's it's tangentially related. Yeah, they had, um, they had. I mean, they've got the Age of Sigma. I swear they had one before that as well. I'm sure they did. I, yeah. I would be confident in saying they have had one. Well, they before. probably tried to sue Wizards of the Coast probably before at some point. Oh, that's almost certain. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, Horus Heresy was a Warhammer CCG. Oh, okay. Warcry was a uh, Warhammer CCG. Dark Millennium 
was a Warhammer oh, CCG. Sweet. Uh, let's see if they've had any others. Like three is fine, but I'm sure they've had more. Yeah, uh, th- they've had a few cracks at this. Yeah, because let's face it, yeah. if there's a way to make money, Games Workshop want to be in on that. <laughs> God, can I crank out cash? Yes, please. Like man, cards are even cheaper to produce than minis. But we can make them the same price as many. You can still buy them. <laughs> Very true. Now you're thinking like a corporate exec. <laughs> uh, In God. 2001, there was just simply Warhammer 40,000, the collectible card game, which is oh. pretty on the nose. Yeah. I suppose they haven't just brought out some blank cards that you can paint yourself. <laughs> now you're getting too cynical. That That's would be the ultimate, ultimate Games Workshop approach, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Then there are the deck building games, which I guess are sort of living card games that don't have later editions. Yeah, because you get everything in the box with, and it's like, and go! I had the Resident Evil uh, deck building game. The RE4 one, wasn't it? I had the. Oh, God, I don't know. It had had Jill. No, yeah, it had Jill on the cover. Um, and it oh had, no! It it, it comes like a whole bunch of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it had yeah the mercenaries yeah, yeah. expansion. I, I remember buying that from Proud Life, <laughs> like twenty quid. Yeah, and never opening it. <laughs> no. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'll take this to the bring and buy at a, at a convention because I'm sure I'll find a buyer for it. And I googled it and went, how much is it going for now? And it was like a hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. Okay. Wow, this is the first time I've ever held on to anything that actually appreciated in value. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I sold that, and then I found a copy of Mercenaries, which was the expansion thing to it, which I don't remember ever having bought. Mm. Um, but you found it in, the, in your place? Yeah, well, I found it in my, in my stuff, and I know it didn't belong to anyone that I had moved house with. No. So I'm, I must have bought it at some point and completely forgotten about it. <laughs> Sounds about right. And that sold for about 50, so I'm like, wow, clearly these were, these were a good buy Sort the time. after. I have mm. the DC deck building game, and I think I've played it once. Was it good? I I enjoyed it in as much as you enjoy that first playthrough where you're still trying to figure out how the game works. Uh, uh, I've just never had an opportunity to play it again. I've yeah. either played the DC one or I've played the Marvel one with Selwyn. She brought it over one of the places I've lived in. Yeah. And we played it. And it's just like, it was interesting. Definitely different. I feel like I should bring that over one time when I'm down for role-playing. Yeah. yeah. When are you next down? Uh, it's this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. I'll see if I can remember to stick it in the car. We've got apples to apples now. Oh, that's good. That is a very different kind of card game. It is a very different kind <laughs> of card game. Is that like Cards Against Humanity for not terrible people? Yes. Yes. That is yeah. exactly what it is. It is the PG version. Well, it's the U version of Cards Against Humanity. Mm. The family edition. Yes. <laughs> we picked up from uh, from the Proud Lion, actually, funny enough as well. It was in their pre-owned bit. But yeah, I mean, new TCGs are coming out all the time. They've slowed down a little bit from their prime. Yeah, I mean, Alex is playing the new Transformers one that came out. Oh yeah, there's the a new. It's a new Wizards one, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's just come really, out. Apparently, it's really quite good. 
Good to I mean, know. Alex, Alex would be the one to know. He is the, the TCG guy. Yeah. And also the Transformers guy. That too, yeah. So, <laughs> so when you put the two together... Yep. But then you might have an unreliable narrator. Mm. If we're honest. That's true, but he, he is also the, the one who you know has bought many TCG and gone, it's balls. Yeah, that's fair. So. One I want to get, not because I expect it to be good, uh, but mm. just because, is if you remember there was an episode of Adventure Time where they played a CCG. That oh, was, uh, Card Wars. Yes, that was very yeah, yeah. clearly a Magic the Gathering ripoff. Uh, yeah. And they've made Card Wars as a CCG. <laughs> yeah, I, I've played the, I've played the, the app. Mm. version of it and uh you can the the decks you can get coming come in pairs and there's uh i think finn and jake and then there's pb and lovely space princess cool and yeah their their field cards are like farm swamp <laughs> i uh i do remember there was a there was a card game it wasn't collectible, it was a, you know, like a play-out-of-the-box kind of card game. Mm. Very different style. Yeah. Uh, that was all about uh, building up wizard spells with uh, 1970s psychedelic van art as the, uh, as the card oh, game Oh, shit, I've really? played that. I have yeah. played that, and I cannot remember what the fuck it's called. And it, yeah, and it's basically kind of like Big Idea, in that you sort of build up your spells by putting more cards and more words together. Yes. Um, funny enough, Big Idea, there's another great little card game. Yeah. Yeah, that was from Cheap Ass Games. Yeah, where you get cards, you get like X number of cards with a descriptor on them and X number of cards with an item on them, and you combine them to make a product. It was and adjectives and it. nouns. Mm. Yeah. And then and uh, in uh, the voting round, everyone has investment that they can make in someone else's product. So you mm. have to pitch your product, your whatever it is, your inflatable kids safe apple. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or uh, the electric death raft. Or the electric yeah. death raft. Uh, and then, yeah, and then you pitch that product. You do a little Shark Tank-style presentation to the other players of whatever the fuck you think this might be, and then try and win their investment. That was a fun little you, game. I remember when you tried to explain the rules of it to me, and you were like, um, uh, sort of like, okay, so you need to come up with any kind of wild and outlandish idea for this, this, this product. And you went, so for example, you could have the cute puppy dog <laughs> yep oh and i was like that's not really wild <laughs> and outlandish like, i was randomly drawing cards as an example and i just drew yeah. cute puppy and dog and i was like well that's not the best example let's uh... yeah you could have the vibrating kitty fruit that was a better example <laughs> yeah <laughs> we did put a little house rule in there that you would automatically fail if you put the words vibrating and kitty in the same product yep, yep, that, yeah. that was banned rapidly yeah I think in one, I think in one game i found um, I got vibrating kiddie pool. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I'm not that. <laughs> no one wants to get in that pool. It, it's funny, but no. <laughs> so yeah, uh, um, I do want in that vein. I do want to get the uh, million dollars buck game. Yes, that. Tell me like more. I do fun. not know this one. So it's uh, a card game based on. A show made by Rooster Teeth. Well, it's like, yeah, it's it's based on a show from Rooster Teeth based on random-ass drunken conversations yeah. had on Rooster Teeth. Okay. Between, between, back, between back the, yeah, Bernie, back in the days of doing... One of, one of the owners of the company, mm -hmm. and the resident Brit Gavin from Slow My Guys. 
And it, it all kind of kicked off with like their uh, Minecraft builds. Yeah. So like they do videos where they would, whenever they were doing like a let's play of Minecraft, they would also do alongside it a let's build where they were showing how they built the, 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 the stage for the let's play uh, in Minecraft. Um, so if they did like a full on total wipeout course, they would show you how they built it and all the, the redstone repeaters and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So all it. the mechanics of building it, all the techniques, yeah. and then also the result in so different this, parallel video series. And, and whilst they're doing that, they're basically just having a conversation whilst they're building something yeah. in Minecraft. And, it, and mm-hmm. one of the things that would often come up was just Gavin saying, all right, you get a million dollars, but, and, Gives you a a, a uh, scenario. A scenario. That Just going to interrupt briefly to go fucking yep. course. There was a crow collectible card game. <laughs> oh, was there? Was holy shit! We need to get that. God, we well, need to get that as the the few remaining crow fans in the world. <laughs> like one of my um, favorite uh, examples from the show was million dollars, but every time you see a birthday cake, you have to eat it. So, and it's those, it's those things where you have to suddenly then go, yeah. you have to start thinking about how much it'll impact your yeah, life yeah, and will yeah, you yeah. take the million dollars. I, I think my favorite one was a uh, million dollars, but every time you achieve orgasm, your mother gets a text message informing her of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another one I liked was a million dollars, but uh, your arms your arms get replaced with Muppet arms. <laughs> so you are still you. But your arms are Muppet arms, and they work perfectly normal. Yeah, like like your regular arms, but they are like, yay! All right, so far I'm saying no to these million dollars. Uh, <laughs> like, most of them are really not fun and bought. silly. <laughs> yeah, most of them are really fun and silly. I do remember the really dark one that came up when it was Gavin asking it to Ryan. Yeah, and it was Ryan, right? A million dollars, but every morning, and and she's fine afterwards. But every morning you have to murder your wife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and after, after, like five minutes after you've murdered her, she comes back to life and she's absolutely fine, no trauma, nothing. But every morning you have to murder her. That's that's deeply unpleasant. And it, and he's just like he thinks about it for a while. He goes, "Yeah, I do that." I'm like what really is? Yeah, my wife would beat the shit out of me if I didn't take the million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they they down the line now turn this into a card game that you can okay play at home, and it works much like. Apples to apples, you card against humanity. Mm-hmm. You get you get dealt your hand, and the you know the the person who's round is in charge picks the million dollars butt mm. card, yeah, and then you lay your scenario down for them. And Again, you, I think this would be a great episode. And then you discuss amongst each other the pros and cons of it, and then obviously the one who whose round it is makes the decision who wins. Yeah. And it's like, would you take it or not? Okay, so very much in the apples to apples um, yeah. vein. Uh, much and like I- um, the Cyanide and Happiness card game. Yes. Oh, we got to build, build the comic. Joking hazard. Yes. Yeah. Which got mentioned in the chat room by Spriter. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the ones I want to get as well. Yeah, I, I, hilarious. I played, it, I played it once, I think, at a, at a party. That was a lot of fun. I, I feel like Million Dollars Butt would work better for a podcast than yeah. uh, Cyanide and Happiness, because that's a little visual. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. If we can do it in, in oral humour, yes. then that will... I, had, I have to pronounce it as such, because... Because otherwise you say oral and we all giggle. And I'll, <laughs> I'll giggle hardest of yeah. all. Yeah. 
I wonder if someone's done a mod for that Cards Against Humanity electronic version someone made for million dollars, but I probably there's almost certainly a tabletop simulator package of it. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm sure if we wanted to play it, ways could be found. Yes, indeed you do. Oh, that is the wrong search. I was just trying to solve my curiosity about something. Because yeah. we were talking earlier about the Vampire the Eternal Struggle. We were saying, mm. weren't there more than one vampire collectible card game? And the answer is no, there were two uh, that were the same game and had different names. Because they originally called it jihad, oh, which is a oh. word that, in the law of vampire, has yeah. a meaning. Yes. But in the world outside vampire has a meaning. Yeah. And after they released it, they went, oh, wait, no, this is a product that exists in the real world. Oh. Not oh. everyone in the real world has played our game. No. <laughs> they're just going to see it on the shelf. Yeah, they're just going to be in their game shop and go, jihad the card game. Um, oh shit! No, uh, and so they decided to re-release it as Vampire: The Eternal Struggle, which is probably a safer name. <laughs> Good job, wizards. Good job. So yeah, I think we've at least, if anything, out of this episode today, we've got a new episode out of it. Yeah, well, quite possibly. Yes. yes. Yeah, a let's play of a card game. I'm down for that. Watch this space. Well, I have to get source to see how we can get it then. We all be in the same room and do it on the physical version, or see if we can find a digital edition. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. You shall find out here. So, before we go, do you have anything else to add, Kyrie? Um, don't buy Dead or Alive Six or a PlayStation <laughs> Mini. This is more repetition than adding. Yeah. Um, don't trust the government. Uh, I have no confidence. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. I sort of been on topic, but this is fun. Oh yeah! Oh <laughs> shit! Um, play me at Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, find me on dual links at you dangerously unprepared slash Twitch TV. I'm not sure that's where they will find I you, but that's where they you will not find I, me. I there. was going to ask if you had something to add later, but okay, add something it. now, Jenna. What are you doing now? Happy birthday! Okay. Speaking of loot boxes <laughs> and booster packs, here is your loot box and booster pack, Jack. My birthday's not till Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're live on the internet now. Okay. <laughs> Happy Friday! Happy Friday! Which, which makes great viewing for the listeners. <laughs> You'll just have to tell them what's in the box. What's in the box? Dude, you got to open it faster. I can't keep the Zelda noises up. That's a lot of shit. It's a lot of shit. It's a Nintendo one. This is not like an Overwatch loot box. This actually has good stuff in it. Ooh, A Zelda multi-tool. Ooh! Can I borrow that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that did not take long. Game Boy bottle opener. And Zelda badges. Ah! Can I borrow those? <laughs> Can I borrow the bottle opener? The only one I've got has my old works um, like logo on it. <laughs> it's kind of really awkward to open my beer with it. Got 
uh, original Game Boy with Mario Land notebook. Oh, nice. sweet. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Ah, Zelda Keyring. Sweet! You got two! No, wait. One was a keyring, one was a multi tool. Uh, Mario Keyring! <laughs> Woo! Blind packs! Woo! Much like okay, booster packs. That, booster packs are just blind packs. Okay, bags. that's pretty cool. Uh, mini question block light includes coin sound effect. Alright, that is badass. Oh, I awesome. like that. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That might have to go over here. Yes. Uh, let's go, let's go. 3D coasters! Wait, in 3D, are they like relief? Because how do you balance a mug on them? As in like hologram. Oh, that makes much more sense. Yeah. And then a Game Boy money box with a lenticular screen. Which is also 3D. Is lenticular. Yeah. What's lenticular? Actually, mean? lenticular is in 3D. It's that it's that thing where if you look at it from different angles, it's different pictures. Because oh. what it is, it's not flat. It's a series of little triangular ridges, and on all of the right-hand faces of one, they print slivers of one image, and all of the left-hand faces, they print slivers of another image. So if you look at it in different directions, you see the different faces of the triangles and see different pictures. It's like a little oh. I thought it was the guy in charge of the railway union. <laughs> so happy Friday. Happy Friday. And I feel that is so a lovely note to leave it on. That means you get two birthdays. Yes. The real Yay. one and the one that was streamed on the internet. <laughs> and technically... Because you age twice as fast. Technically, I'll be releasing this after Friday. So it'll happen again. Three! Yeah, <laughs> And every time someone listens to this, it'll be having a game! Yeah. Oh my god, by next, by next week you'll be... Yeah, if you gain a year every time. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> if you gain a year every time we, this podcast gets listened to, by next, by next week you'll be two years older! <laughs> We've created the milling deck of podcasts. Oh god. <laughs> well then. So, you have been listening... Too dangerously unfed. I have been Simon. I have been Jack. And I have been decking myself. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And goodbye. God damn it. <laughs>